0: Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. Well, what a good day to worship the Lord together. Continuing in our uh, Beatitudes series uh, that we've been in called This and That. Uh, and today we're looking uh, at Matthew 5, verse 7. Um, and I'm going to just kick us off by, uh, by reading that real quick for us. Jesus is, of course, starting the famous Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes, and he says this, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And what we're going to find out today and what we should know in life, or we learn more in life, or maybe pay more attention uh, as life goes on, that that mercy always draws people into relationship. You see it all throughout Scripture. Scripture. Mercy always is a magnet. When it is given, people are drawn to. We see it in the life of Jesus uh, in, in the four Gospels for sure. We're going to see it in a couple stories uh, in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. Um, and then we're going we're gonna to look at what it's meant for us and what it's meant to be from us uh, to other people, to, to happen upon other people as we are merciful, like our sermon title is today today. Um, And and just a reminder of of where we are here in in this Beatitudes series, We, we come into relationship with Jesus, we're saved, His mercy that took place at the cross, and His grace was given to us as salvation, and that draws us into a lifetime eternal relationship with Him. And then we begin to be transformed and changed and healed and cleaned up and cleansed and and mature, that's discipleship. And, and so that's where the beatitudes begin to take place because Jesus wasn't looking to call people into life who had the beatitudes nailed down, because no one does pre-Jesus. He was, he, He's saying, Hey, once you come to follow me, this is, this is who you become, this is what comes from you, this is how you live outward bound for other people and representing Jesus. Beatitudes are what we are becoming. We mourn for people in their brokenness, in their sin. We live with meekness towards them, and we don't point a finger anymore, but we're, rather we, we lend a hand. Instead of me doing this, I do this. That's what the Beatitudes are, are as, as they become a part of me. And then we're, as we're becoming like him in that discipleship, we're being fashioned and, and shaped into the likeness of Jesus, into his very being. Second Corinthians 3.18 tells us that we're being sanctified by the Holy Spirit, so we're, we're becoming more like Jesus all the time. We will, until the end of our, until our very last breath will become more like Jesus. We're never gonna arrive, and that's good news, you'll never get boring, and if you think you've arrived, you're wrong and you're boring, uh, because you're not there, no one is Jesus, but we're becoming like Jesus, Fashioned into his image, and that's where we see the, the fullness of the Beatitudes really working together in our own lives. It's not like, hey, I'm going to pick out uh, being a peacemaker and that's the Beatitude I'll do. No, the Beatitudes are who we become all of them, they're part of our, our character working together in my poor in spirit humility. And I, when I recognize that I can't do anything without God, anything of value without God. I have this intense desire to then be in right relationship with God, like we talked about last week. I crave Jesus more, like we talked about last week, and it was cool. I I just, it popped into my head, and so I said, crave Jesus, and I said, that'd be a great t-shirt idea. Look what Andrew did for us. So, we're going to have, it's crave Jesus on one side, and be satisfied, which is the, the, what Jesus is talking about. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. We, we figure here in America, if crave Jesus fits a little better in our, in our mind uh, and be satisfied, those will be available in a couple of weeks uh, at the, the cafe and online, different things. But, but we can walk around and people can say, why do you crave Jesus? Oh, let me tell you why. How are you satisfied? Let me tell you how he does it. And as much as I'm satisfied, I'm never satisfied enough. He's enough, but I want more. That's craving Jesus. So as I'm satisfied by Jesus, satisfied with Jesus, satisfied because of Jesus, I look and act a whole lot more like Jesus than I did yesterday or a year ago or the day I got saved. And today, merciful as I am this, God promises that I will receive mercy. Now really quick here, really whenever you talk about mercy, you kind of have to also include justice and grace in there because they're, they're so, they work together so much in, in God's heart towards us. Uh, so just to give quick definitions, each of these could definitely have their own sermon, maybe even their own sermon series. But justice is giving someone what they deserve. They earned it, we give it to them. Mercy is not giving someone what they deserve. And grace is giving a person what they don't deserve. And And here's the thing, with God, his justice towards believers is always filled with mercy because he can't separate the two because he wants relationship with us. And at the end of time or at the end of somebody's time without choosing to follow Jesus, they will receive justice because they've chosen to to put a hand towards and, and resist and say no to mercy. And justice, void of mercy, is harsh. That's why we live on mission for Jesus, just like Jesus lived, because he wants everyone saved and wants no one to perish, and that's why he keeps lengthening time. He's he's not slow concerning his promises to come back. Like Peter says, he's he's just patient because he wants all to come to know him. God's justice is completely saturated in mercy. Look at what what John says in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us. Because of Jesus, the justice of God is that He shows mercy. Most of us think justice means the hammer coming down from the judge. And it did on Jesus. And that justice on Jesus allows God to stay holy and not disown himself or or have a cheesy character and say, I did give you justice. I just gave it to Jesus. And now I give you what he has earned, which is everything. So my justice is to forgive you because of Jesus. And you said, yes, the justice of God to the believer is mercy. And it's a beautiful thing. And when I recognize the amount of mercy that God has given me, the only response from a heart that's alive is to always be merciful to others. Always be merciful to others. Always be merciful to Him too. Always be merciful to them as well. That's where it gets a little harder. Being merciful to others, okay, being merciful to Him, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you see what he did? Did you hear what he said? Did you realize how he acted towards us? And God said, yes, I remember you. Romans 5, 8. While you were yet a sinner, my son died for you. Right. But God, that guy. So that's where it gets hard. But as I, as I live in the realization of the mercy given to me, it's not as hard. If I live in the realization of how he's acting, then I'm going to have a harder time showing mercy. But if I live in, well, you, keep, you forgave me of everything. You, you keep working with me in spite of me. You forgive me when I keep doing that. If I live with that, then I look around and I go, how can I not be merciful to those around me? And then he says, you empty yourself of the mercy towards other people, I'll fill you new. I'll give you fresh waters of mercy inside to bubble up and bubble over from you. Because as I show mercy to others, God shows mercy to me. That's what Jesus is saying. As I pour out mercy and empty myself of mercy, he fills me back up. The more I remove the judgments that others deserve, and that's hard because they're saying this, they're doing this, they're acting this way, they're thinking this way, I mean, not just believers who know better, but non-believers who act this way. But the more that I I remove the judgments they deserve, like from me, maybe they're earning it in society, but I say, you know what, I'm gonna love them in spite of that. The more God takes away anything I earn (laughs) by wrong, sinful, or poor behavior every day of my life. He's a forgiving God. And in his justice, he forgives me every day and the more that I pour out mercy on others and, and love them the Jesus way, the more He pours that into me, and I'm like, I just can't get enough of Your mercy. This is good stuff. I like this. And remember, mercy draws people into relationships. That's that's what it does. It's why the most broken, lowly, messed up are always drawn to Jesus. In Luke 15. We see this famous story in verses one and two, it starts out and tells us there's tax collectors, notorious sinners, Jesus, and the religious know-it-alls, and they're all kind of together, the religious know-it-alls are probably over here taking notes, but everyone else is like drawn to Jesus, and, and he's loving on them, and they're, the know-it-alls, are ridiculing Jesus because he would dare to eat with such scum. And And it's hard to describe just how awful tax collectors were because they were Jewish traders, basically, who were given the right to work out any way to steal and and take money from their own people to fund this oppressive nation over them. So they they were hired by the oppressive nation to take money in any way possible right or wrong from the jewish people to pay the bad guys that's why they were so notorious we don't have anything like it in our society it just doesn't exist I, and i don't care what we think about what we think about <laughs> in our government they don't this doesn't exist the sinners were basically backslidden jews who were not allowed to worship or hang out I mean, they didn't even want them buying from the store. Uh, These were the the irreligious Jews who just lost their way and had had just been written off by their own people group. Not welcomed at all. And then, of course, we have the Pharisees. Ticked off that Jesus cared. Ticked off that Jesus did life with them. Mad that he showed them any type of relationship because they don't deserve it. And Jesus' message to them was, there's mercy for you. I don't condemn you. That's his mercy message to those people. Not condemned by Jesus for the way they treated people. And he says the same thing to us today. You're not condemned for the way you treated her. You're, you know, that, that thing that you did that haunts you still, I'll forgive you of. And I won't hold it against you ever the times that you failed others, the times that you fail in following Jesus, he says, hey, just come and be with me. We fail him and we fail people, and he says, just come and be with me. Only Jesus does that. Do we do that? Can you remember the last time somebody failed you miserably, was like, did something totally against you, and you said, hey, what I'd like you to do is come over to my house. I want to make you supper, favorite dessert too. We don't do that really well. I mean, we'll pray for them, whatever that prayer looks like or sounds like, from a distance. Or I'll pray at them, I don't know. But how often do we invite them into our home when they've done that? And maybe today you're realizing that you've missed being in the mirror reflection of Jesus to other people. You know Jesus saved you from who you once were, you, but you're, just, you're not being that same merciful agent he was to you, to other people. Maybe you're judgmental. And maybe your take on how they're acting is correct. Like you have the correct assessment of how they're acting and, and the correct judgment on what they do deserve, but blessed are the merciful. Because I've, I've walked this through too. There's so many times, I know I'm right. Well, I know I'm right. I know I'm right. I mean, they deserve this. Blessed are the merciful, Scott. But they deserve this. Blessed are the merciful, Scott. They've earned this. Blessed are the merciful, Scott. Because when you are, you'll receive mercy from me. Now, he doesn't say... If you're not merciful, you'll never receive mercy from me. But I don't want to test that. (laughs) Does anybody want to test that? I'm just going to, for those three people, I'm just not going to show it. I'm going to see what God does. Don't. Don't. He's merciful beyond our, our greatest understanding and definition all combined. But don't test it. Just test being merciful and see how much mercy pours out on you. Test that. They know better. And you keep condemning them for it. But Jesus said, I wasn't sent to condemn the world, I was sent to save it. Regardless of whether you need to receive mercy from Jesus today or lovingly give it away, or maybe I got to do both. And Jesus' mercy is available to us to form us and shape us into the sons and daughters who are fully alive, who, who push back darkness that's killing and choking out lost people, that's, that's destroying broken people. Even if they keep putting themselves there, maybe you're the one that will go and help them get out of their broken cycle because of mercy. King David constantly recognized the mercy and grace of God in his life. And we see him be merciful so many times. But I think the greatest story of King David's mercy is with King Saul's grandson, Mephibosheth, uh, Jonathan's son. And, and basically, since Saul and Jonathan were dead, tradition went, hey, if you depose the king, if your line comes in and replaces that line, you're not related to him, you got to go and kill them all. Or at least put them in a dark dungeon, prison until they die, but you can't let them live because they might come back and try to say, I have the rights to the throne, so the the kind of the rule of the day was all heads get cut off if they're related to the former kingly line. That was common sense too, like it made sense and nobody really blinked an eye at it, Uh, it was just like, yeah, we, we do that. But Jonathan, Saul's son, was David's best friend and David had made a promise to show faithful love to Jonathan's family. Before Jonathan died, he he said, "Will will you be faithful to my family? And David said, I'll be faithful. I'll love them. David knew the mercy of God, the blessing that drew him into relationship with God. He understood the mercy of God. So he knew that being merciful to others who didn't deserve it was imitating God. And he wanted to bless a person whose mere existence deserved death. Can you imagine? Like, we don't have that today. His existence on earth deserved death. So David went after Mephibosheth to show kindness. And in 2 Samuel chapter 9, we read the story. I'm going to read you some of the verses here uh, in this story. But it's, it's David's kind mercy to Mephibosheth. It says, one day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? He didn't even know. Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake, to show mercy because of Jonathan. So he, was, he found out that Mephibosheth was alive and he goes and he gets him and, and brings him. He had been crippled since he was five because uh, when Saul's, when everything started to fall apart, his caretaker, his nanny in essence, was running with him and dropped him and he messed his feet up and he never could walk again. He was crippling both feet and he was hiding on the backside of the kingdom in somebody's house. And just trying not to die. So they go and they get him. And can you imagine? David's men show up at the doorstep and say, You're coming with us to the castle, to the palace. He's probably like, Oh, it's going to be a public execution. My head's going to roll in majesty, right? But when he came to David, Mephibosheth bows low to the ground in deep respect. And David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. Don't be afraid. I intend to show you kindness because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you would show such kindness to a dead dog like me? He saw himself as worthless totally worthless. Dead dog. He's totally worthless in his own mind. And David's like, I'm going to show you why you're worth something. When we were seemingly worthless, Jesus said, you're worth my royal blood on the cross. You might think you're a dead dog, but I'm going to die in your place so I can have you. There's people out there who feel like, live like, act like, believe that they are dead dogs. Your mercy to them could change everything. And even if they initially or or consistently refuse your mercy towards them, you're still acting like Jesus. Mercy on those who think they're dead dogs. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. I mean, look at how mercy drew him into relationship. With, with those people who desire to do life with him like a family. Blessed are the merciful. It's kind of a, like a test, almost like a spiritual uh, checkup for us. How are we doing in showing mercy? Because it's easy or easier to show mercy to those who earn it or deserve it or are making us happy, right? It's harder when they're harder. It's living outward bound, it's, it's living for others, yet still recognizing, I need God's mercy. I'm not some, like, big shot that's like, well, I've got all the mercy to give and I'm good. I need mercy, so I need to pour out mercy so that I can keep receiving mercy. I think of, as I was preparing this week, I, you know, I know if you're a teacher in the teaching profession, you probably hate to hear this, we're mon- one month away, Right? One month away from where you get to show mercy, all day long, five days a week. And it's hard. They're like, there's kids, there's youth. They're in process. They're, some of them uh, know Jesus and they're difficult. And some don't know Jesus and they're difficult. Uh, they're just, they're in process, and they're just changing. And they're not sleeping. And they're eating bad stuff. And they're drinking energy drinks. Right? And uh, it's killing you. And and you just. You're, you're, you're doing a job, but at the same time, you've got to show mercy. If a teacher can't be merciful, I think they're going to find the end of themselves quickly, or they're just going to become that teacher that everybody's scared of. But man, God has gifted you with the ability to show mercy. And when you show it to students and their parents, because sometimes, right? I don't know how y'all do it. I was raised in a teacher's home. My mom, you know, 45 years or so of it. I, I don't get it. Praise God it exists. Uh, But y'all, y'all show mercy all the time. Coaches show mercy to to people all the time. Students gotta show mercy to those students around them. And at the same time, still need mercy from Jesus. And of course, Jesus was the very best at, at showing mercy because he is mercy. So the word that's referred to here, in here by Jesus in, in Matthew, and there's one other place in the New Testament, uh, it's called chesed, or, you know, if you're from the south, it's chesed, uh, but uh, it's, a, it, it's, it's a word that embodies the picture of this mercy. It's found a lot in the Old Testament, very limited in the New Testament, but what it means is you love a person because you got into their skin. You got into their world. You got down to their level. You got into their moment. You got into what they're dealing with. And that's, you're loving them because you understand them. Now, we know that Jesus literally got into our skin as a human being, became one of us to save all of us. And, and so it's this mercy that comes from, I get what you're going through. I feel how you're feeling. I, I understand what you're thinking. I can see it with your eyes. And being merciful isn't always easy. But it's always Jesus. And not only do we get into their skin and, and understand their situation, but we care. Because sometimes we, we're around somebody and we get it, and we're like, I don't I don't really care. You you earned that. But Jesus always cared. And it didn't mean he just said, Oh, it's okay that you do that. You don't have to worry about it. No, he always helped us, he always helps us out of those things we shouldn't do, but but he understands and he cares about it. It's the way God knows us, because Jesus, again, literally got into our skin. I mean, look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 says this, it was necessary for Jesus to be made like us in every respect, his brothers and sisters, so that He could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. That's the other place that says chesed, if you're going to pronounce it that way, like you're clearing your throat or something. God didn't look down on us and require that we have it all together, get our act together before he'd care for us. He fully understands us, what we go through every day. He knows our brokenness, our struggles, our joys and our pains. And in his grace, he sent his son Jesus to show us his mercy, and justice would be put on Jesus so that we could be in relationship with God. And that draws us into into a, a, a personal relationship with him. Mercy given to me. How can I not be merciful to other people? I want you to watch this clip from The Chosen and the Woman at the Well. It's an amazing clip about Jesus showing mercy where it, the person didn't believe they, they believed they were a dead dog. And Jesus said, I still love you. Watch this clip.
1: Do you believe what I'm telling you? (sighs) Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married, but he wasn't a good man. He hurt you and it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him. Because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? <laughs> I am rejected by others. I know. But not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. Spirit and truth? Spirit and truth? It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon. Just the heart. <laughs> you promise? I promise.
0: This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ!
1: <laughs> hey, wait!
0: Your water! You forgot your um
1: you told me everything! I ever did!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Rabbi, we got food. What would you like? Ah.
1: I have food to eat that you do not know about. Who got you food?
0: (laughs) You picked the wrong person that's what she believed she thought herself as a dead dog and yet he said I came here just for you every one of us he came there just for each one of us wherever that there was and for anyone listening watching online here you haven't made that decision he has come just for you he wants to bestow his mercy on you so the justice that is deserved from your actions, your attitudes, your sins can then just be appropriated by him. He, he took on those iniquities so that you could take on his rewards. And here's the thing about mercy. It's, it's loving someone enough to understand them and care, yet care enough to not leave them there, but help them to grow and change. That's what Jesus has done with us. That's why the Holy Spirit lives in the life of a believer, is to to grow us into the image of Jesus. And then he says, now you go, and you be Jesus for those around you. Mercy always shows grace. Because mercy is, I'm removing what you've deserved, And grace says, I'm giving you what you don't deserve. So anytime we're given mercy, well, that's grace. Find that person. Find that person who needs mercy and just shower them with it. There is enough mercy to go around because Jesus never runs dry. There's enough mercy that can, can come from you because he'll always fill you back up. If you show mercy to others, you'll receive mercy From God, He promises us that. So, who is that person in your life? Who is that couple that you know? Who's that family that your family needs to show mercy to in spite of themselves and their actions? Because when you show them unconditional love, compassionate care, grace, you favor them in spite of themselves. You're tender towards them, you live forgiving, they will recognize the reality of Jesus Christ. You're not their savior, but you present him through the mercy that you show. Show mercy, receive mercy and repeat. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. We're going to worship the Lord some more. Someone came to me today and they said that they gave me a, a word the Lord had given them and And so I just want to leave us with this. Just picture the amount of mercy, grace, and forgiveness that has been given to you and you alone. And worship him from there. messages and full services visit hcfburnet.org or the church center app and connect with us on social media